everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. I'm continuing this series today called Hope in the Spirit. And I began this earlier describing hope in the spirit, hope in the soul, and hope in the body. This is the third message in the series, Hope in the Spirit. The message the Lord gave for me today is called Full Acceptance. My prayer is that each one of you is walking in all that God has for you every day. Hope in the Spirit is so much more than just going to heaven. It applies to us right now, today. I started out talking about the cornerstone of righteousness by faith. I then talked about no condemnation and how we can live free from all forms of it. Today, I want to talk about how we begin the process of accepting what Jesus did for us. The global church and body of Jesus is moving into a new era of awareness and connectedness that has not yet been seen on the earth, at least not in the scale that we're seeing it. Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth, but much of the reality of that has not yet been seen in its fullness. There have been revivals in concentrated areas where millions have come to know Jesus as their Savior and Healer, and I love hearing about what God did in those times. It feels different, though, now than any of the stories I've heard throughout history. There is a sense of connection that goes deeper than just digital communication or technology. Many of the people I'm connected with have been having dreams and visions of people in other countries. The wonderful thing about this is that they are real people in real areas who have record of being visited by a brother or a sister from somewhere else on the globe. One of the ladies in our Sunday night Bible study told us of an experience that she thought was only a dream at first, but then realized something far different had happened. While she was sleeping during the night, she found herself ministering to some people in another country. She wasn't sure where exactly, but while she was telling us the story, one of the brothers here at our study said he, he just heard the word India. We haven't yet received confirmation of that, but for now, we'll take that and we'll say there's a possibility that she was ministering in India. She had led the people to salvation in Jesus, but almost immediately afterward, some other people came running toward them and they looked very angry. She began running along some train tracks where a train was just leaving the station. As it began to increase in speed, she just managed to grab the rusty iron bar with her left hand at the back of the train. She couldn't manage to get her right hand to the bar, but a man came onto the platform and reached down with his right hand. He said, take my hand. As she was being pulled up onto the train, she sat up in her bed. <laughs> she was completely out of breath and soaked in sweat. She was totally stunned by how real the dream had seemed, and she was still trying to catch her breath. She lay back down, wondering what had just happened. In the morning, when she woke up to get ready for the day, she walked into the bathroom. When she turned on the lights, Something completely startled her and stopped her in her tracks. Her left hand was very visibly stained by rust from where she had grabbed the bar on the train. So what really happened that night? She was asking the Lord and wondering, how is it possible that her dream experience was showing up on her physical body? 
she was not even able to wash off the rust stains. All day at work that, that day, people kept asking her what was on her left hand. The, the, this type of supernatural experience seems so exciting, and everyone in our Bible study group was on the edge of their seats while she was telling this story. I was watching their reactions, and I couldn't help but wonder how many people in the body of Christ today would be willing to accept such an experience. So many of our expectations come from places other than the truths that we find in the Word of God. And many people have allowed themselves to believe only what seems logical or physically possible. I've had many dreams, and I don't just dismiss them as something inside my own head. I've chosen to believe that all things are possible to them that believe. Jesus said this in Mark 9.23. He said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, we could get caught up in the story where that's found. I, I, I don't want to. I, I simply want to deal with this statement. What is it that Jesus is wanting us to believe? At first, it could seem like he's only talking about the specific situation that's in Mark 9, but he said similar words so many times that we need to take note of that. One of the key ingredients to the kingdom of God is belief. In fact, it all hinges, hinges on belief. How, how did you receive forgiveness for, uh, from sins in the first place? It's by believing. How do you receive healing? It's by believing. How do you receive finances? It's by believing. I want to show you some verses that talk about believing. Uh, in Romans 10, verses uh, 1 through 11, I want to look at that. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now listen, this is about righteousness by faith. Uh, I, want to, I want you to listen here because he says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Realize here that this is talking about righteousness that comes by faith, by believing. Even when it says, don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss, it's not talking about who will do this in the spirit. It's saying you can't get there physically. You can't physically go to find him because the kingdom of heaven is within you. 
These verses are saying so much more than I ever realized when I first read them. Why is it that so many people try to believe with their brain, but they still remain powerless in the kingdom of God? The primary truth that we need to believe is about righteousness. Righteousness by faith is truly the key to understanding how we are redeemed in every area of spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to keep coming back to righteousness by faith. Obviously, faith only works when we believe. It isn't accomplished by any effort of our own. We are given the invitation to believe something that has been impossible for us up to that moment. The other day, the Lord gave me the idea of a timeline to help understand the restoration that Jesus paid for. At the, v the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve were created with a perfect connection between their spirit, soul, and their body. This connection to God and awareness of His presence was as tangible and real as any physical experience we can imagine today. They didn't need to try to be perfect. They simply existed as perfect creations, because that's the way God made them to be. When they chose to doubt God's goodness and desired instead to have a knowledge of good and evil, their unbelief drove a wedge between their spirit, their soul, and their body. From then on, they were not able to sense anything in the spirit realm. And neither have we up until we are born again. When Jesus died on the cross, he once again asked us to believe that what he said is true. When we accept His payment for our sins, we are recreated or born again with His righteousness in our new DNA. The word righteousness means having a right and perfect standing in every way. However, we can't see the, this righteousness. Many of us choose to argue with it because, well, our focus is on the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what happens with religious spirits when people gossip and slander each other over their performance. I'd like, to, I'd like you to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21. Now, we typically will read 2 Corinthians 5 and 2 Corinthians 5, 21, but I want you to see the connection between them. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that God that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You realize those verses describe the ministry of reconciliation, not of judgment. When we are able to see ourselves as having become the righteousness of God in Christ, we are once again asked to believe, as Adam and Eve were asked to believe, and this allows us the freedom to see others through the eyes of reconciliation. This truth is what is so amazing about grace. If we are truly going to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth, we absolutely must get over our focus on the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, God doesn't want 
that person to keep living in sin or in direct opposition to the word of God. But that does not mean that he has given us the ministry of judgment. When we finally believe that God is able to change our brothers or sisters, just as he changed us, we become completely free to love them exactly as they are right now. This is exactly what draws people to God instead of pushing them away from Him. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. The number one standard that I am employing is acceptance. When I see myself as fully accepted, standing before the throne of God where none of my accomplishments or failures matter, I can then turn and welcome anyone into my presence where also none of their accomplishments or failures matter. In this state of pure grace, I can remain confidential, innocent, positive, connected, focused, engaged, giving, and receiving. I will remain in full acceptance before the throne of grace, where the golden scepter is forever extended. God is more than capable of handling the knowledge of good and evil. Why then do we feel so compelled at times to correct others and to show them our own amazing knowledge of good and evil? I'm convinced that it's because we are unwilling to believe that what God says about us in His Word is true. Our own insecurity controls how we interact with other people. The problem is that we have not truly believed that God accepts us just as we are. Are you forgiven or not? Are you righteous or not? Are you healed or not? Are you prosperous or not? We may not be able to see the physical reality of any of these things at the moment, but that does not mean that God's word is false. We either believe it or we don't. When we are constantly presented uh, with this, we have the decision to make just as Adam and Eve did. Believe and be free or focus on good and evil and be bound with chains. Everything in our life points back to the cross. This means that if we are willing to believe, full healing and provision are accounted to each one of us. When we can simply receive the payment of Jesus, we are free to pray for other people's healing, even if their life isn't measuring up to the perfection of Jesus. The truth that I just said is what will usher in the true global connectedness of the kingdom of God when we see other people as Jesus sees them. Be free to see your own spirit just as Jesus sees your spirit. Be free to see people not by what you see on the outside but by the spirit on the inside. Be free to see them forgiven as Jesus sees them. Help them to believe. Help them to see that by believing they can receive. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.